Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. In this episode of Health Conversations, I chat with James Dooner. We recorded this on our recent trip to Australia in a Sydney Airbnb, so hopefully the audio turns out okay. James and I have a great conversation about physical therapy university programs contrasting Canada and Australia, which turned out to be more similar than I thought. We talk about different perspectives uh, on practicing. We chat about feet, balance beams, and a few cool stories from our individual experiences. James is the official director of our newest TFC Australia division and will soon be starting up his own podcast, so stay tuned for that. Really enjoyed our chat, so hope you do as well. This episode of Health Conversations is sponsored by tfc-shop.com, your one-stop shop for healthy footwear, balance beams, foot health accessories, um, just all stuff to restore healthy, strong, and resilient feet and hips. We ship all of our products globally out from Ottawa, Canada, and are continually trying to improve our customer service experience based on the feedback we get from the people supporting us. This episode is also sponsored by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases, which we use to transport gear for our seminars and workshops. We really put their cases to the test on this recent Australia tour, covering a bunch of major cities um, and going halfway across the world with a bunch of gear, like uh, a drone and speakers, so fragile stuff that can't be tossed around or else it breaks. So they held up really well. They make super high-quality cases that can keep your electronics safe when you travel. So check out their cases at nanook.com, N-A-N-U-K.com. That's it for sponsors. So let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet are the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hey everyone, Nick here. Welcome to another episode of Health Conversations on the TFC Audio Project. Uh, we're currently in Sydney, Australia in an Airbnb, so there might be a bit of background wind. Uh, but the guest today is James Dooner. And James is the director of TFC Australia, the new branch of the Foot Collective over here um, down under. And uh, James is a physio. Um, and we wanted to have a conversation today about a few things. We just were wrapping up a seminar tour. We finished uh, three seminars. We have a workshop tonight, and that wraps up the uh, kind of one-month Aussie tour. So let's start. Maybe introduce yourself, James, um, uh, and let people know who you are, what you do, and uh, and then we'll get into some uh, some interesting topics that we had kind of spoken about. Yeah, sure. So, well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Yeah, no I've been not. listening to your, all your podcasts so far and cool. um, really liking it, so it's a bit surreal to actually be on it. <laughs> um, it's not as big of a deal as well, <laughs> put it that yeah, way. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, a bit about me. I've graduated physio in 2015. Um, I think it was 2015, yeah, so I've been practicing for a few years, cool. uh, you know, without going into the big life story, um, the I finished physio school feeling a little bit disillusioned okay. about Same with physio, me. yeah, yep. uh, I think I did, I did a bunch of placements, um, and the last placement I did was my musculoskeletal placement, and that was cool. what I was most interested in, mm-hmm. and I did it at a hospital in like an outpatient scenario, and uh, just left there after five weeks feeling like... First of all, overwhelmed by the amount of stuff I could learn or could apply to people and also mm-hmm. just disappointed with the results that I was getting mm-hmm. um, and the results that even like the educators were getting with people like these these people would be coming in um, week after week with similar amounts of pain, you know, sim- like doing all the transverse abdominus. A lot of it was low back pain. <laughs> so all the TA stuff, yeah. Um, and then... So left there just going, oh, what am I going to do now? I've just done a whole four-year physio degree and yep. you know, accrued a pretty decent hex debt. Yep. <laughs> uh, and I'm now I'm not even going to be able to use it. And throughout, I think fortunately for me, 
throughout physio school i'd started listening to a whole bunch of podcasts on the way to and from cool uh to and from uni and like because i'd go to uni every day so that'd be at least a podcast a day cool and that's such a huge pool of knowledge that anyone can access now it is crazy and it was never available like i listened to joe rogan podcast i started a while ago and since then i'm like it's like a black hole where the deeper you go you're like holy shit there's so many people putting out good stuff yeah and and that never used to be available and i think that's part of the reason that some of the older physios just don't they don't yeah. listen to podcasts right yeah, they're not exactly. open-minded so, yeah. sorry to interrupt, so going. no that's all good it's just but you're exactly right like there's so much new info coming out and podcasts are just one of the best ways because if unless i was driving or mm-hmm. unless i like the podcast just make an accessible really accessible amount of good information from like the top authors the mm-hmm. top you know leaders in each industry so and it's dead time you, yeah, if you're it's driving de- otherwise you're not I'd just be listening you, to music and, exactly yeah. and there's nothing wrong with doing that sometimes because sometimes it's nice to disconnect but it gives you this whole extra area of time that you may not have used productively that you now have access to and you can get any information you want for free from really good people it's crazy it is insane well, I yeah. think about it all the time like geez that's awesome yeah um, that's the real university right? yeah. you just get well, letters beside your name pretty from, much from the degree you pay for yeah. and then for free you get the true education exactly. it's so crazy yeah and like certainly <laughs> the physio the stuff i was learning in physio school like the basic stuff you know human physiology yeah. anatomy biomechanics very those kinds of things very really good foundation yeah and then the stuff i was learning on podcasts uh would just give me that more it's more of like a bird's eye view i think like we'd get mm-hmm. very specific in physio school um but then i'd start hearing about nutrition sleep lifestyle you know meditation all those kinds of things from yep. all these different people yep. and just started realizing that none of that is taught at physio school. Yeah. Um, you know, a whole heap of yeah specific detailed functional assessments and those kinds of things, which is still, it's important, but, um, you know, about habit change, those kinds of things, not really mm-hmm. touched on or not emphasized enough, I don't think, uh, in physio school and probably any other traditional uh, health health field is just not emphasized enough it's in, not in it's uni. not emphasized in med school even yeah which like I, I always went i went through physio school thinking that like med oh they learn so much stuff in med school they really learn how to yeah. make people healthy and then i have buddies that are in med school now and i'm like holy shit it's equally behind maybe even more because you know they learn about drugs um and, yeah. and that almost replaces the need to learn how to prevent the things we need the drugs for which yeah. is so backwards and wacky and i don't know how we got here and um it's good to know that it's because I, you know, I lived in Australia when I was younger. The sport culture here, the Australian Institute of Sport, Aussie athletes in the Olympics, it's a very, I always saw it as a very, I was young when I lived here, but saw it as a very sports savvy, rehab savvy culture. You know, you have people like Kareem Khan the, um, that are just, they're leaders in the sport medicine world. And I always thought that Australian physio universities would be more advanced. But from the sounds of it, it's very similar to what it is elsewhere. Yeah, well, from what we've talked about so far, it, does, it, it is fairly similar. Yeah. And as you say, uh, like in medic- medical school, they'll learn about drugs and that will essentially help cover up the, the root co- or cover up the symptoms of the root cause, which is obviously yeah. not a lack of that drug. Exactly. And they teach, <laughs> That's they, a good point. They teach a similar... like. Often it's a similar concept in physio school, except we're just not using medicine. So ultrasound, yeah. electrotherapy, even massage and joint mobilizations are all essentially just a symptomatic treatment yeah. to you know and to cover up the symptoms of something else that's causing that exactly. in the first place. Depending how they're used, I mean, they can be modalities to help you get to the root cause sure, sure but oftentimes i mean part of it is the business structure people work under if you only have 15 minutes with someone yeah. you gotta do something to make them feel good real quick or else yeah. they're not gonna come back and that's yeah. a shitty way you know health practitioners and companies should 
feel the need to tell people what they need to get better instead of just giving them what they think they want. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's too easy to make a lot of money giving people what they want and being their friend and being their it's like being their social person that they come see as a routine exactly. more so than being someone that has to give them the shitty news sometimes that they need to change their lives or else their yeah. body's going to keep breaking down. Yeah. So I think it's yeah. it is really like just deeply rooted systemic problem, but I think it starts at the schools and yeah. you know I'm glad to find out that Australian schools still teach ultrasound because I always thought of Canadian <laughs> schools as being like, how the hell are we teaching this magic wand that no one, yeah. everyone knows it doesn't work and we still teach it and I'm, it's so crazy. I'm pretty sure, if I, <laughs> I mean, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure the lecturers are like, yeah, there's not that much evidence about it, but it's it's used a lot in practice, so it's good for you to know about it. Wow, like, that's so crazy. I know, but anyway, it <laughs> is what it is, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and back to the manual therapy concept, like I... I as you say, it's, it can be a good adjunct. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked... So, from from going from physio school, finishing that, feeling a bit disillusioned, uh, I came across a, a practice uh, close to my house that um, practiced in a completely different way. So, oh, was um, this a CrossFit gym? No, no. So, that was after. So, okay. this um, this practice was in Auckland Flower, which is where I live now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... All of the all of the marketing materials that I saw from them was like you know it's it's n- no machines it's one on one like cool. treatments like a, like a, a really uh, like it was a hand it was a hands on approach very mm-hmm. manual therapy focused but it was it seemed completely different to what I'd experienced in terms of like traditional modality TA, moda- yeah, yeah exactly cool. um, and so that sounded really cool to me and I was like okay well maybe I can be a physio and I don't yeah. <laughs> uh, I, up until then because I'd been reading a lot of Kelly Starrett and those kinds <laughs> of things and, and realizing that you know strength and conditioning is a major factor in people's health and, mm-hmm. and obviously all the other behavioral change things but I thought you know well this is a good way to use my degree I can help people through like a more uh, individualized approach mm-hmm. and certainly it was it's quite cool like we can I don't know how deep you want to go onto it in this podcast but um the it was the first taste I had of like a a different um approach to manual therapy in terms of uh, changing a neurophysiological input to or changing an input to change a neurophysiological output so cool. the the whole concept it's called Ridgeway method started by a guy called Michael Ridgeway hmm. and uh, he, he cops he cops a lot in the physio world um, for an, uh, a number of reasons cops a lot meaning takes a lot of flack takes a lot of flack yeah because uh, <laughs> I understand what cops a lot means but yeah. people that listen oh, to this yeah, might takes not a lot of flack yeah <laughs> uh, and uh, you know I got to know him obviously from working with him, and he's oh cool. You work directly with him. Yeah, yeah, I work, yeah, oh, that's work, awesome. Yeah, exactly. And he runs courses of Ridgeway Method. Cool. Um, so he wasn't in the practice all the time, but I certainly got mentored by him and, and cool. sort of got to know about his approach. So I think a lot of the flack he gets uh, is probably based on a little bit of misunderstanding of his approach. Cool. Uh, and his and I guess the the. I feel that's the motivation often, behind his approach. And that's often the case. Like, even the FMS. People give the FMS shit. They don't understand what the FMS is. Yeah. It's a freaking screen. It's yeah. not the solution to all your problems, exactly. people. Exactly, yeah. So, and so, yeah. and from talking with him, like, I think it makes a lot of sense why he developed the method. But at the same time, it, there's it's not complete. It's not a... Uh, well, in my opinion, it's not like yep. a, a complete... Uh, way because uh, and what I experienced with the physio is like you can get amazing results with people with manual therapy and even myself I experienced it Um, Mm -hmm. it's like a whole body approach where they'll look at uh, any contributing factor to the symptom so often Mm -hmm. the area of the symptom is not the actual 
problem and you mm-hmm. talk a lot about that in terms of yeah there's something happening at the foot but actually it's upstream yeah um and this takes it to an even greater extreme where it's like well you might be having a problem in your calf but it's actually the neck is the main thing that will create a long last a longer lasting um uh, symptomatic Change. relief yeah. so what did you find did you find the movement element was a big part of what was missing like what yeah, was the incomplete per- well, part yeah so there are their whole thing is um you know deal with the symptoms mm-hmm. uh, or like at least uh, target the symptoms with their approach which is mm-hmm. which can make like amazing symptomatic relief like mm-hmm. for me I'd and have that's to, important people yeah. need to be like one if you're a therapist and someone comes in to see you and they leave in more pain or the same pain yeah you don't have a customer anymore yeah, exactly. so you you do have to affect the pain but i mean the big thing that we talk about is like okay if you correct the movement that caused the pain the pain goes away yeah if all you do is target the pain without changing the movement the pain can go away but it doesn't go away permanently exactly so yeah that's yeah. important and so uh so with my experience with it then i'd had a i'd been doing jiu-jitsu for six months brazilian jiu-jitsu oh cool and ended up it was i ended up with a shoulder injury it wasn't from like someone ripping it out of its socket yeah. or anything but <laughs> it wasn't from a I nasty fell, i just fell and landed on it awkwardly and <laughs> that's a shitty story yeah. you gotta spice it up a little <laughs> nah, yeah i wish uh but oh, well, I, mean, I fell because someone was wrestling me to the okay, ground okay, so that's, that's a little spicy yeah. <laughs> um but after that uh i guess i never really rehabbed it properly partly because maybe i didn't have the skills yep. or i didn't uh, they didn't because their approach is manual therapy, they would outsource the movement training to other people, exercise physiologists and whatever. Yep. Um, then I didn't really get necessarily taught the skills and I understood a bit from what I'd read about Kelly Starrett and everything, but yep. I never really rehabbed it properly. Mm-hmm. Ended up with persistent shoulder pain that was stopping me from doing the stuff that I wanted to do, handstands mm-hmm. and hanging and it just feel uncomfortable a lot of time mm-hmm. when I was working out and then went through their system found a, like a, a specific thoracic joint that was really locked up they treated that and you know with a f- fair few treatment sessions ended up with like zero shoulder pain or restriction at all cool. and then what I did from there was lots of handstands lots of hanging lots of shoulder work hmm. um, functional shoulder work mm-hmm. and and now my shoulder's great no issues haven't had an issue since so it can be a powerful method but personally because i was so into movement and i started reading a lot of katie bowman and todd hargrove and mm-hmm. a lot of these movement experts um man you're yeah. advanced for how old you are and how <laughs> young you are in the physio game like i i really think that the new generation of physios like yourself that consume podcasts that want to that know that there's better ways of doing things and that maybe it's not one specific method or one yeah. camp but it's a combination of all these camps including strength conditioning including handstands and gymnastics and everything yeah um exactly i Just really think like you're, you're a weapon of like <laughs> helping humans and i think it's you know Number one, you definitely have to do a podcast because even how you speak with a microphone in front of you, it's very, um, you're the exact kind of person that needs to do a podcast because you're hungry for information. You consume it from multiple sources and you can translate it and give it to people in a way that they can understand it. Yeah, um, exactly. And I, I think from, from my experience with consuming podcasts and how much that's changed my life yes. and the life of my family and friends around me yep. through some, my influence, often, mm-hmm. um, then it's just like, it's only right that I'd give back. And cool. I'm not like the major, I'm not like the main expert on all these topics. So I just yep. sort of take a lot of these things and yeah. know uh, or have a good amount of sources that I trust and so if mm-hmm. I can as you say just distill the information exactly and then uh, lead people to the the right kind of sources mm-hmm. that 
that can be massive, not only for the general public, obviously, but just health professionals. Because yeah. what we see now is a bunch of health professionals who get taught at uni, but then they don't pursue movement themselves, or they yeah. don't pursue, a, they don't have a movement practice. Yep. Um, you know, they might exercise, they might go and do cycling or mm-hmm. or running or whatever, but not a like a. I guess a holistic movement practice. So I agree. Yeah, I think and that's a big thing that needs to change. Hundred percent. That's a that's a that's a very valid point. Actually, like you have to practice what you preach. And yeah. you going through the shoulder pain issue that you had will make you way better at treating shoulder pain. And sure. it's like one thing is I know a lot of physios that suck at moving and they're broken down. Yeah. And they don't even have the motivation to fix it. It's like, yeah. dude, that's your job. Yeah. You do this with other people. How can you not? It's like a doctor saying stop smoking and smoking in your face. It's like you you need to practice what you preach. You need yeah. to use yourself as patient zero, experiment with things because it just makes you better at doing things uh, or better at treating other people rather. Yeah. And I think um what you said about the, the the podcast and distilling things like that's all i do too the seminar is a distillation of many yeah. really really smart people people way smarter than me i take all the good parts from them i give them credit for their work uh like all those names in the front of the manual and really like that's it's an evolving system right you get better and the other thing too is when you're describing things on a recorded audio or with people on a regular basis you are getting better at for explaining sure, them and you sure. can look back and be like wow I spoke about this very differently back then. It's changed a lot. I'm way better now. Yeah. And and listening to yours, as much as I hate listening to my own self talk on podcasts, <laughs> when you listen to it, you realize things in terms of the way you speak or the way you're wording things and you just get better, right? It's like this constant drive to get better at delivering information in a way that resonates with people. And you do that by forcing yourself to do it, scheduling a podcast every week, whether you want to do it or not, whether you have a really good topic or not, it's like, just do it. Yeah, because sure. half the time, the ones that I didn't want to do or were the most short notice were actually some of the best, most authentic and really, really good quality podcasts that I like to listen to. Um, because it's, it was just spontaneous and you, it was something you just wanted to learn about or that you realized, I don't know much about this. I'm going to research it and I'm going to talk about it. Um, and yeah, I really think it's, uh, especially for our generation, like they're only going to get more and more popular. Right? Yeah, Podcasts sure. are going to replace. Such a good medium. Such a good medium. And it's so, um, and I think even the long form unscripted stuff is even a, a version of that medium that's even better in my opinion. I think more people are going there and all the podcasts I listen to run with that model because I just find it's more, it's more real. Yeah. Right. Um, so sorry, go ahead. Were you going to say something? What was I going to say? Uh, <laughs> you got me off track now. No, okay. no, hit me. Well, one thing I was going to ask is did they cover, like I know in my physical school education, we didn't talk about feet. We did yeah. not we talked about shoes. All that I remember about feet was we have feet, they have toes, a lot of people have plantar fasciitis. Yeah. Put people in motion control shoes that have flat feet. Yeah. That is the, the summary of what I learned about feet in physio school. It was basically nothing. And it was almost, it was information that I actually preach. Like, I don't talk about motion control shoes because I, you know, well, I think you know, the, I think everyone knows our opinion yep. on footwear. <laughs> so it wasn't even good information. The little yeah. information we were given. Was that any different in your schooling uh, in physio school? <laughs> Look, it was a while ago, but uh, okay. I'll, I'll think back from memory. I do remember getting taught. Things like short foot, like the cool. um, See, the, the core of the foot, those kinds of things. Um, you know, we got taught foot, foot posture index, how to look at the positioning of the foot, and those kinds of things. But cool. from like from memory, it was it did feel like it was sort of skimmed over. I mm-hmm. certainly didn't as much learn as much there as I've learned from you over the last six six to eight months cool. um, from following your stuff. Um, certainly didn't really learn too much about the connection of the hip and the foot. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least I didn't leave with that being in the forefront of my mind or is that being a really important thing to overall health. Cool. Um, but I th- probably by the sound of it, it's maybe a little more advanced than the Canadian yeah. school. Unless, unless, because you went to school 
a lot earlier than me, unless yeah. it's advanced since then. I don't know. Yeah, and that's we do courses for physios, and we did one like school I went to is uh, Western, and we did a course at Western uh, even a couple months ago in London. Doesn't sound like it's changed much, and it doesn't surprise me. These big monolithic institutions that have been there forever yeah. have no need to change because they get. A thousand people applying for a fifty-person program. Why would they? They don't have any motivation to change. Yeah. Half the people that teach are yeah. not clinicians. They're extremely smart, awesome people. I loved all my professors. They're just really far behind where they need to be, and they're. It's hard when there's a massive machine rolling forward with momentum. It's really hard, even if you realize doing a one eighty is what's needed to do to make better physios. It's hard to turn a freight train one eighty degrees overnight. For sure. And so I think that's where this Footner program is. Is that was a motivation for this? Is yeah. like. Well, the motivation for starting to give seminars was to give people access to a short burst of good information that they can that stimulates further learning and further experiencing of this stuff. But I think the footner program can give an adjunct. It's not going to replace a physio school, but I think if you're having foot problems, seeing that someone is a foot nerd, it might be more important than seeing that someone is a physio. Yeah, that's what I want it to be because yeah. and 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 having it be uh, a much less expensive, consume at the pace you want, um, and having lifetime enrollment or 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 access to the curriculum so that in five years when it's totally different than what it is now, you still can keep up to date with that. You don't have to go back to school. You're, you're in learning mode the entire time you have access to any change in the curriculum. Um, and that, yeah, that's kind of a tangent, but that's what we're trying to do with the footner program. And I think, uh, from the sounds of it, it's needed even from your perspective on feet and physio school. Yeah, absolutely. And I think building a community, like obviously, as we talked about, one of the biggest things for creating long lasting change to any symptom, whether, you know, if it's related to musculoskeletal or diet or, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever, then is just having a community of people around you who are doing the same thing. Yeah. And that was what I experienced. So since, uh, I left that original physio practice job and found uh, there's a neurosurgeon called Dr. David Johnson mm-hmm. in Brisbane. He's working at St. Andrews, but he's very into CrossFit. Oh, yeah. This is really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's super interesting. And because I've been reading a whole heap about movement and learning and, and um, getting into it, m- into more of it myself, not into CrossFit specifically, but weightlifting, mm-hmm. gymnastics, those kinds of movements, mm-hmm. uh, that spoke to me a lot. I did one of his courses. And so he was treating back pain in group programs. And, cool. and he's an orthopedic surgeon, right? Uh, neurosurgeon. Neurosurgeon. Brain, brain and spinal neurosurgeon. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And he... So he's quite visionary, like, and he would he cops a lot of flack from the neurosurgery. You know, <laughs> yeah. any as we say, any any like industry, any leader in that. Yeah, field but the people that take the most it. shit, oftentimes are the people that are the have the most powerful influence to change shit. For sure, it's like that's yeah. just how it is. And, and I'm surprised we haven't taken more at TSC. I'm sure we'll get more, but that's really those are the people that are needed. Yeah, and he actually walks the walk. Like he he lives it. And he's extremely cool. strong and fit, and like that's he'd awesome. just tear me apart in any workout we did. That is the exact person I want to go see if I ever need surgery. Yeah, that's the dude. For sure. It's like, dude, if you can snatch more than me, I'm going to see you for neurosurgery. Yeah. <laughs> and he and he that's that's his whole model is like. There's, there'd be heaps of people who would come to him from another neurosurgeon and go, oh, it, he recommended X surgery and, yeah. and he would go, actually, you don't need that surgery. Like you need to learn how to move properly. And wow, these that's things. powerful coming so, from a neurosurgeon. Yeah, it's really powerful and it gives people more hope and they go, okay, well, what do I do? And so he set up a, a program, an eight-week program, um, teaching people how to hip hinge and squat and, and wow. bare load, deadlift um, and just progressive learn, working through these movements and no manual therapy, no other adjunct therapies, just doing movement therapy and, yeah. and with a lot of education as well. And 
and when I came on board, I had you know my own little input into the education that was given and cool. just all working together to create like a, a good program. And the outcomes there were insane as well. So I went from a physio practice that had awesome outcomes with manual therapy, yep. but maybe didn't well they didn't focus as much on the movement side. And then I went and I then I went to somewhere where it's a group program. It's not an individualized thing, but people learn these basic fundamental movement patterns and they get amazing outcomes too over eight weeks, but they end up with skills that they can then transfer to their daily life as well. Um, wow. So, Why the hell isn't that the gold standard? It's so, and, and has he done any research? Has he done any like it, pilot study to take stats or anything? It's a, it's a little hard. He does take stats on all of his, uh, hmm. like all of the patients that go through. Uh, he takes ODI data, so it was Westry Disability Index. Okay. Um, and that's okay. Like, so he does. That is, that is the gold standard. It's just it's hard to publish that. Yeah. Um, because yeah, yeah. he's doing his own numbers, and mm-hmm. that, you know, if you really want to get like a proper research study, you need to get like a third party. Man, you know? that guy needs a research grant and a team know, of stats people, and needs to because that needs to get out into the world to say if you're doing it any way but this, if you're in the world of neurosurgery or back surgery, yeah, you're not doing it right. Yeah, you're you're messing up. Yeah. You know, like these people, most people, like you said, do not need back surgery. They don't need yeah. to be sliced open. They need to learn how to move because that's sure. why they're having problems. And unless you walk the walk and are moving yourself, and the fact is. You know, for a lot of the surgeons that I've met are the smartest people on the planet. And those are the people that need to be surgeons, right? Yeah. They're very book smart, but they suck at moving. Yeah. It just is what it is. Their yeah. life is consumed by reading research publications to find out what the leading edge way to do a surgery is. It is not why is a surgery needing to be done. Yeah. It needs that needs to be a perspective that's taken. And when you're a well rounded surgeon like that, that's the person that gets the best results. It yeah. really is. It's amazing. Um, and and the community he builds is like because he's out there living it and he's he'll train with the patients and he's after the eight week program, then they have like a neurofit, which is like a scaled back CrossFit basically. Cool. Um, and then those people will keep they'll learn to you know do snatches olympic lifting mm-hmm. you know high, progressive advanced like handstands gymnastic stuff cool. um so it's really cool like the, the community they're building there is awesome wow um and so i was renting a physio room there and doing some physio stuff on the side as well as running some of the movement classes mm-hmm. they also do a neck program which is i think more successful like in terms of average data even more successful than their low back program wow and that's just increasing capacity around their cool. shoulder blade like their um the scapular awareness mm-hmm. and scapular strength and just capacity around that area and it makes a massive difference um, very cool so yeah the, uh, I was renting a physio room there and doing stuff on the side and then uh, one of my mates had shown me the Foot Collective mm-hmm. and so I was like well this is pretty cool and from everything that I'd read and understood about pain and, and movement and uh, like even like Katie Bowman stuff like and I'd read a bunch of her books about um, barefoot like whole body barefoot and cool. those kinds of things and I was like this just makes a huge amount of sense um, so I made the tough call to transition from there to here mm-hmm. um, but you know, as soon as I made that decision, I knew it was the right one. And cool. and even still, as we go through, the more I learn about the beams and and footwear and everything, then the more I'm resonating with it, which is which is really awesome. Very and cool. Super keen for a 2019 because so far the last few months has just been building mm-hmm. um, with my mate Seb, who's been a huge help for um, getting yeah. all of the design stuff. So he's got a background in animation and design and shout graphics. Out to, shout out to shout Seb. Out to Seb. The guy's a beast. Yeah, <laughs> make some serious animations. Watch out for some TFC animations coming in. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, that's very powerful. And I mean, let's. So you've done like a wicked job getting because. I think it's one thing. It's hard to find people that can get shit done. It really, it really is, uh, and that can like be motivated and and have the time, right? Like a lot of people have, um, you know, 
we're young. We don't have families. We can travel. Yeah. We have more time. We can, yeah. um, you know, we can be more savvy with social media, all that kind of stuff. So I understand it's difficult, but you've done a wicked job. We had beams at every seminar here in Australia, except Melbourne. Yeah, except <laughs> Melbourne. Well, that's okay. We still had some. Andy brought his, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, um, we yeah. made it work, but uh, but yeah, and you've made them available. The beams are now available domestically in Australia because shipping massive tubes of metal across the planet not very practical. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, big 2019 with you uh, starting to give workshops, eventually giving seminars on the next the next tour that um, I come back for. We'll co-deliver these seminars eventually get footwear everything that we offer at the main tfc site i think we can eventually offer on the aussie site as things scale up um talking about the beam are you spending a good amount of time on these things because you are getting freakishly good to the point where i'm like i need to step my shit up and spend more time on this because this guy's doing shit that i can't even do yeah and he hasn't been using it for that long <laughs> oh i think you're still in there um <laughs> now nah, the race i uh yeah so it's, it's been probably about six months because i had a mate uh who because originally i wanted to get one from you guys yep. couldn't ship it over i had yep. a mate who goes oh, i could probably get my cousin to make that up cool and then i was like yeah well let's do it so he made himself one and made me one cool um I th- you met him at the coast actually that was mitch yes and yeah, yeah. he had that orange beam so he cool. made me a blue one so I was shout using, out to mitch yeah thank you he's a good guy <laughs> um and so i was using that for a while and then then had the somehow had the brainwave of like well if you can't ship them over here and i can figure out how to make them then i could sell them over here as yeah. well because um, i think f- the more i used it i was like geez this is like super like such a simple product but mm-hmm. really profound in the term in terms of what it teaches your brain to do without yep. any cueing so and and obviously I, like i've always been into uh, play play-based movement and mm-hmm. well not always but especially recently into mm-hmm. play-based movement and cool. uh using simple tools or just your body weight to make movement fun because obviously if it's not fun then people aren't going to do it you're right and i had a lot of fun on it and so is it being enjoyable that made you want to keep doing it yeah yeah okay. yeah, yeah it wasn't like it. it wasn't like oh, Oh, I gotta get good at these beans. Yeah. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna keep doing this because it's fun as. Yeah. And then I'd get my mates and be like, oh, let's have a go on these be- this beam. And um, in terms of how much work I'm doing on daily these days, it probably be about 15 minutes. Cool. 15 minutes a day because uh, it's the but, consistency that yeah. allows you to just blast up and get so efficient on these things. Yeah, uh, yeah. And just tune that pathway awesome. between foot, brain, hip. Um, that's another thing too. It's so motivating when you get better at something quickly. Yeah, and you see it firsthand. And you see, and you because it's such obvious feedback. Is like I'm yeah. definitely getting better because I can do this now and I'm not falling off. Exactly, and I couldn't do it a week ago. So yeah. I know it's like I can't cheat. I can't yeah. pretend like I'm getting better. Yeah, um, and it just and that, becomes addictive because it does. There must be some kind of reward system like dopamine release or something when you nail a skill and you're like, sweet, I got that. Yeah, and then it's you, like a micro victory in your life where you accomplish something, you work towards it, you accomplished it, and then the beauty about the beam is that there's like an infinite level of those micro increases in difficulty and that's one of the things that we i think 2019 will be a good year for this is progress the system create a more more variety in the movements that we post refine the system from easy to difficult all the different levels just to give people more variety more options um and and a a more detailed and, and smaller progression system where it's like okay i start here when I get that, I can go here and yeah. I work at it. And they always have something that's harder or easier for them to do. They can always go on it and freestyle and do whatever they want. Yeah. But I think it's important to give people structure to teach them how to use a tool. If you know it's a value, you know it's fun, give them structure so that they actually have a framework to use it with where they can see their progress. For sure. Because some people have the creativity to just go on a beam and entertain themselves for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. That's pretty much what I've been doing. Yeah, <laughs> but- and that's kind of what I do. But it is nice to be like, okay, I'm, uh, you know, I'll muck around on it 
for the most part, but one day I'll just be like, okay, I'm going to try and do this because I can't do this yet, but I'm going to try and work towards it. Yeah. And you work and you work and you work and sometimes it's frustrating, but then you do it and you're like, shit, I can actually do this because I did one or two reps of this. I know I can do 10. Yeah. And uh, and I think that'll be, this will be a good year to build up the, the system there and, and that's something we want to constantly evolve so that if you buy a beam from us, you know, you can make your own beam and we often encourage people to make their own beams. Sure. We offer the cradles now if you want to source your own tubing. But the bigger thing is we just like to make things that are really good quality. So we powder coat them. Uh, and, and the big values, if you buy a beam from us, you get access to the training system, which eventually will turn into an app. If you bought a beam, you have lifetime access to the app. Yeah. Um, and, and really have it be something that evolves, partially based on the feedback we get from people buying the beams. Because right? yeah. sometimes people will, put, will tag us in a video of them using the beam. And it's like, wow, that's a good exercise to put into the system. So you almost crowdfund these ideas and, and get a community of people that are creative on the beam. and get. A, I just think it can be something really cool. And long term, we want to keep doing these things and have beam sessions you know, in certain areas. We'll post on social media. I think it would be yeah. really cool. Yeah. From a rehab perspective, you said something the other day that was made my brain think differently about it. You said it's basically putting you on a continuum between an ankle sprain, an inversion ankle sprain, and an ACL tear. Yeah. Because if you go one way, you invert your ankle. If you go one way, you collapse in the valgus. And it's teaching you those two extremes and how to rescue if you get close to one of those extremes and teaches you where the midpoint is, the safest point of your alignment. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was very profound because Without it's so anyone cueing it either. Without anyone cueing it. That's the most powerful thing. It's it like, just forces you into that position. Exactly. You self-discover it by looking for the most stable position which is the position of optimal alignment and stability recruitment around your hip yeah and not actually not only that as well is because you're doing all of those micro movements to adjust and you're actually building some load tolerance into those positions as well so you're not you're not spending a whole heap of time there but you're going into some valgus going into some ankle inversion and then you know the ligaments and muscles and everything around there will build some kind of tolerance to those more tolerance to those positions very true when you are forced into that yeah so that if you ever get into that position You'd be, you'd be more resilient and your brain knows what to do yeah right? it knows yeah. the strategy to okay fire this this and this and i'll get myself out of yeah. the, the danger yeah. zone yeah um so, so kudos to you to for figuring it out that's, hey, man, that's awesome uh, it was pretty basic i just balanced on railings and then i was like how do i make a railing yeah. that i can give to other people teach them how to use it it's really not uh i get way too much credit for that because it's really very basic um so one thing i want to talk about i i think one of the big things we send a lot of product to australia and we send yeah. that halfway across the world and people are still buying it and paying the shipping yeah and i think what I've realized by being in Australia is that the outdoor culture here is so different. Mm. Obviously, living in Canada, we have a we have an outdoor culture. It's just different, right? It's snowboarding yeah. and skiing and snowshoeing. It's winter sports because it's snowy for most of the year. Um, but in Australia, like everywhere we went, people we stay with in Adelaide, people we stay with in Melbourne, um, it, when we were in Sydney, when we were staying at the Olympic Park, there's outdoor parks everywhere. Yeah, and it's so yeah, cool. And and everyone, as it seems to always be, people wandering around it or using it. And I think. Um, I think the outdoor culture here will resonate with TFC almost more profoundly than in Canada because yeah. people are outdoors. And, you know, I mentioned that I haven't seen very many obese people here. I think <laughs> in general people, I know that Australia is up there in terms statistically. of statistically in terms of people being overweight, but like the only obese or really, really overweight people I've seen are people that are tourists. <laughs> um, <laughs> How do you know they're tourists? Well, you can just you hear them talk, yeah. you see them yeah, just true. destroying a whole pizza or something. You're like, ah, there's only a couple places in the world that, that has people that would do that. <laughs> won't mention um, the place. Yeah, I won't yeah. mention the place. Canada's probably one of them, but um, uh, but yeah, the outdoor culture, and I think it's really, uh, I love that about this this country. It's so the climate is perfect for it. The the active nature of people, like you see when you're when we were driving, because we did a decent amount of driving, drove from. Brisbane down to Sydney and back up again, and we drove from Melbourne to um, Adelaide. So it's a decent amount of driving. Yeah. You see 
people it's like families with caravans that are going to caravan parks they're traveling they're camping they're doing stuff frequently every weekend they're doing stuff even friends of ours in australia from newcastle they camp all the time because it's just part of their culture right they don't sit in town and do nothing they actually are out there going to beaches doing surfing doing cycling it's so it's so cool to see it certainly helps and i think that that's like a uh like a bigger picture view of what people need to create in their own lives is environments that promote that movement and promote those things that are healthy for them so it's like yeah for us we've got like in brisbane we're super lucky to have sunny coast above us gold coast below us really close yeah um you can go there up or down you know, i don't get there enough but i i want to go more and learn to surf and those kinds of things but it's just cool. for sure having sun like in brisbane we really don't get don't get much of a winter like it gets no. down to like <laughs> 10 degrees or something and we're like oh that's cold yeah um, i'm like 10 degrees this is short weather baby <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah for sure cool. um but it's we are super lucky and i think you're right like the like the whole TFC thing does lend itself to outdoor movement, yep. outdoor culture, even though you can do it inside. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and it's so nice. Like on like most weekends, I'll be out there on a slack line or on a beam, and people will come along, and it's just sort of people are curious, eh? Yeah, All the time. yeah, yeah. Even when we we're in um, when we we're on the Gold Coast, we were just having a session slack line, fresco beams, and like you get people that kind of like What's they kind of shimmy in and like <laughs> pretend like they're not looking, and you look over and they're looking, and then eventually it's like what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what are those things you're balancing on? What are you, what are the things you're hitting a ball to each other with? And then they're like, can we try? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. sure. And it's just funny. It's like people intuitively are curious about it. And when they see it and it looks like something that they could do and actually participate in, they're like, Oh shit, this is kind of fun. Yeah. So yeah, it's good. Sure. It's, it's almost like you're getting confirmation that, okay, what you're doing makes sense to people. It's not too abstract. People intuitively want to play, even if they're shy initially and don't, um, don't come off as wanting to. But yeah. I think that's important because it keeps you motivated to be like, shit, okay, this is the right path. This, yeah. is, this works. People want to do this. We just have to make it more enjoyable or create events or settings where people can have the chance to experience this. Yeah. Um, that's the other, actually, that's the other really cool thing about the beam is, and what I've experienced so far with anyone I've got on the beam for like the first time is they're always smiling or laughing yeah. as a result. Like yeah, it's, it's that's awesome. It's almost, it's ubiquitous because no one goes there and they're like, oh shit, I can't do this. They're like, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, this is hilarious. This is so hard. I suck so much. I thought this. this was going to be easy. And then, <laughs> yeah. and then they've got this big smile, big grin on their face. Yeah. And, uh, and once you explain to them like a few simple concepts about why it's good, they're like, Oh, they get this other look on their face, which yeah. is like, like it makes oh, sense. That, yeah. It's like a light bulb yeah. moment. They're like, Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. True. And then they want to go on it more. And yeah. And yeah. it doesn't take much to explain that. That's yeah. the beauty. Yeah. I can explain it to a 10 year old. I can explain yeah. it to a 50 year old that's always worn orthotics. And, and yeah. intuitively, they're like, yeah, I can't say that does make sense because it does. Yeah. Um, I just might have to force myself to realize it. But then they're like, okay, I want to try it more. And then, yeah. Um, yeah, and you get multiple people doing it. And it's like competition. It's That's magic because yeah, then people sure. compete. They get pissed that they can't do something and someone just did and made it look really easy. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's important and, and why it's good that you're getting really good on these things um, just through your own like desire to, to play on them is if you show someone that you can do something very difficult that they don't know is difficult, but you're like, you should be able to do this and you're calm and you're relaxed, you're not really shimmying around too much, they get on it and it's a disaster, it's a light bulb goes off to say, I don't have a, as functional a body as I thought I did and I need to work on my hip stability. Yeah. And it doesn't take long for that person to get better, but that's that's an important aha moment for a lot of people. That's why we do the 30-second single leg beam screen at seminars because it's like people are like, oh, that's yeah. what they're talking about. Yeah, and their feet, people when they first get on it, their feet hurt. Or a lot of them, it's like, geez, I was like, doesn't yeah. that hurt your feet? And I'm like, no, it feels really good. Yeah. And they're like, what? It's like, <laughs> it's yeah, like, your I've feet are been... stiff as shit. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and so, 
yeah, not only do you get like a nice foot massage and tolerance through your feet, but you get all the hip stability. So exactly. Again, I mean, I don't want to harp on how good the beams are, but <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. I mean, I never. It's one of those things where I didn't. Um, like when this first started, I didn't make beams and then tried to figure out ways to sell them. Yeah. I used it. I loved it. I used it with patience. I was like, there's something here. And then I was like, okay, I got to figure out a way to make them really, really good quality and engineer a system where it's easy. It's turnkey for people to know how to use them right out of the box. Yeah. And so it was like, you're selling health. The beam is just a tool people use. You're not trying to sell a product that you don't believe in or don't use. You figure out something that you intuitively believe in and use and know is effective. Then you figure out a way to deliver it in a way that gives people value. Yeah. So it's um, yeah. yeah, and I love that you don't you don't have to buy one. You can make one if you're yeah, handy. Make one like I my mate did. Make yeah. Them. yeah, you know it's cool. It's, yeah, it's one of those things. It's so basic. Use a piece of lumber. Use. Yeah. I went outside. It was funny. So we just did a podcast with Paul Thompson, the barefoot podiatrist, right before this. And when he came to the Airbnb, I had to go downstairs to get him. The dude's barefoot, balancing on the sidewalk between the two condo buildings. I was like, yes. That's, <laughs> I don't know if he's doing that because he knew I was coming, but I think he just. You know, just, you, he lives it. Yeah, you just find other people yeah. that resonate with the same message as you. Yeah. Um, so last thing I want to talk about, then we'll talk about quickly 2019 for TFC Australia, yep. and then we'll yep. wrap it up. So you told me a story um, when we met up in Melbourne. You told me a story about a lady that was was she a hundred? Yeah. So while I've while I've been setting up the TFC stuff, uh, I've just been doing like a casual aged care job on the side, so a physio yep. in a nursing home. Um, oh, it's like a it's like a retirement home. It's got some some care, like suites, care suites, and some different levels apartments of care and sort stuff. Of thing. Yeah. Cool. Um, really nice place actually, and very new, uh, quite fancy. Cool. Um, but I, I did that partly because it's good pay, casual work, easy to just slot in around the TFC stuff. Yep. Um, but also partly because I wanted to experience the, I guess the extreme of poor balance and the extreme of poor physical capacity in mm-hmm. the age care po- in the age population. Yep. Um, and see what I could do with them. See, you know, what kind of things that I could do to prevent the things that they're getting and just get that experience. So it has been quite interesting. And uh, there was a, a lady there uh, who is a hundred years old. Wow. And I think there might be 200-year-olds in the Triple in digits. the facility. Yeah. That's and, crazy. Uh, anyway, so most of the people who are in there getting care are you know, severely debilitated. They either can't get up and move at all or they need assistance, four-wheelie walker, wheels, wheel, um, wheelchair or something like that. Yep. Um, but she is just like... She's the most cognitively and physically able out of anyone in that facility. Oh, my God. That's crazy. <laughs> and, and I was like, what's going on here? And so, I, 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 I do four sessions a week with her um, in the 20 minutes. So, a lot of the time, we're chatting. Um, sometimes, I'll get her moving. Sometimes, she just wants a massage. And so, uh, I think, to be honest, I think a lot of them get the most out of just the human Talking connection. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So, we have really good chats. And I was sort of, I sort of progressively started trying to figure out what her secret is. Like, why is she 100 and so... <laughs> so physically able um and she so she put it down to a few things and she she hadn't oh well supposedly she hadn't really thought about it too much herself but she was like oh yeah well i've always gardened so like her whole adult life um Mm -hmm. and i think even in her young life as well when she was a kid she just Mm -hmm. gardened and she had this pure love of just getting out in nature and she was like you know you're crawling and digging and climbing and carrying and yeah you're doing a huge ride all these things out in nature in the sun fresh air you know that lends itself to australian culture as well but it's it's you're doing all these things and and you have 
that connection to nature, you're actually growing something, building something. Yeah. And, and I think there's a, a, there's a lot to that. And no one, well, not no one, but hardly anyone gardens these days, well, if especially you don't do in it, cities. You don't know the nuances of gardening. Like the physical mm. part aside, physically, yeah. that's demanding. You're yeah, doing yeah. what you did in hunter-gatherer days. You're digging for shit. You're growing food. You're, you're, you have a purpose. Like you're, you're, the purpose is to make sure that this plant survives. You, you're, you're giving life to something that will, and you're taking care of something, and that's huge. It's huge, yeah. And then obviously the the implications for eating the food that you're growing, which yes. is obviously you know that's not a big part, yeah, which we won't get too yeah. too far into now. Um, but you know, and that she also said that she just she never drank alcohol. She would always eat just really basic meat and three veg. Um, and <laughs> that's classic. Whenever I walk into a room, because they give they give old uh, older the elderly people. Um, like these nutritional supplement things that are just like sugary, dairy kind of oh, things to keep the calories up. Yeah. And whenever I walk into a room, it's always just sitting there and she's <laughs> like, she, or she'll drink the tea and not, not have the biscuits and she yeah. just, just eats real simply. Wow. And um, That's just, probably a big part of it. Let's be uh, real. Yeah, yeah, That's probably huge. I think that would be huge. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But I, I really like, I re- resonated with what she was talking about in terms of... Um, the just the garden like the gardening that she was doing and just moving so mm-hmm. frequently throughout the day and that's not exercise it's just frequent movement uh, yeah. for a purpose and that she enjoyed yeah um so there was that inherent motivation and cool. but that being said she is now in a nursing home where she doesn't have that environment yeah. and she's had a couple of falls and you know not, she hasn't hurt herself too bad but yeah. there are things you know as soon as you stop that as soon as you get out of that environment that promotes the movement and gives you that enjoyment then you, you just don't have the motivation to do it anymore and then yeah. your physical capacity starts to reduce along with your mental capacity yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which is a little sad but i mean yeah she's doing she's doing pretty well so far cool hopefully i can keep her going as far as much yeah. as, as i can i agree like even um even in future like i think there's so much potential yes we're starting with feet and hips right now but eventually, we want to branch into health in general. And eventually, yeah. it's going to boil down to building communities and giving health innovation solutions to problems that we see. And yep. one of the problems is how we spend our later years, right? If you had, if that same retirement home or village or community um, was centered around movement, right? There was like a, um, almost like a section in the middle. It's like a square. I think of a square building. There's a huge patch of grass and gardens and everything like that in the middle. They have animals that everyone keeps uh, healthy and they use yeah. that for food. Like give people, engineer of a beautiful environment that literally offsets their whole lifetime spent sitting in desks and in the concrete jungle and being disconnected with their bodies. Like that is a rehab facility of just getting people to enjoy their later years and rehab and offset the effects instead of doing the opposite, instead of playing into um, the lack of movement or the lack of mental stimulation or something like that. I think there'll be cool stuff to do, cool opportunities to do pilot programs when this company Mm -hmm. scales up and Mm -hmm. gets bigger. Instead of padding investor pockets with money, invest that in cool projects like that that really don't make money but give value to so many people by just giving them the opportunity to live differently. Yeah, um, sure. And hopefully that kicks off a trend of, of changes that happen. So, uh, yeah, cool story. Yeah, super keen to be involved with that. Like, it's, cool, it's that would be a powerful thing. Really yeah, powerful. I mean, obviously that's far down the road, but I, I really yeah. think when you look at health, it's not limited. We're just starting with the feet because it's the low hanging fruit, right? It's a big problem and it's a simple solution. Um, but I think, you know, we were talking the other day about these nonprofit movement facilities where you get a warehouse and you engineer a playground for adults and kids and no one has to pay to come in there. And yeah, you sell products out of there and the money you make from the products fuels the place that you're paying for that warehouse, but no one has to pay. 
Yeah. And anyone can go there. And you can go there without buying a product. And the goal is to take down barriers to people to have a facility where they can experience movement. Um, take down the intimidation factor of a gym. Remove the membership price obstacle. Remove the intimidation factor of walking into a gym. There's no more obstacles left. The only thing you're left with is making sure people know you exist. Yeah. And, and, and making them interested in why they should go there. And I think this is the kind of thing that will be super cool to, to implement and is possible. Um, it, it's not simple or easy, but... It, it, it really is simple. It's just not easy. Not it requires easy, yeah. work. Simple, yeah. not easy. Um, but we're but already be on our way there. a massive snowball effect. Like the more people yeah. that know about it, then they go, "Oh, well, you guys should come here. It's free. We yeah. can just play around. Doesn't you know? Exactly. Th- that, that would take off. Already. Make health viral. Like yeah. if you can make a yeah, it, dude. If a cat video can get a billion hits on <laughs> on YouTube and make a ton of money, I think we can. Uh, or Gangnam Style. I think we can. <laughs> we can do something to be creative to get people's attention and make sure they know it exists and get them to love it and spread the word and just make this really a collective effort to give people outlets to re-experience their bodies and i think that's that's where it's going to go eventually so 2019 for tfc australia so right now we're the first week of january start of the year yeah so i think the plan just for anyone out there um wondering what's going on here we're going to continue to do seminars and workshops in australia yep um you're going to get on the workshops fairly quick we have one tonight in uh, at false grip in um in sydney at a gymnastics gym which looks pretty cool so we have one there tonight it's a two-hour workshop Start to offer those in major cities because you're you're based in Brisbane, so obviously yep. you'll be able to do them there most frequently. Um, but you you have uh, you have friends in like Melbourne, and you can get to Sydney. Paul's here. Yeah, um, so been a fair bit of interest in Perth as well. People messaging and yeah, and like when are you guys coming to Perth? So, yeah, very yeah. cool. So we'll um, we'll get the workshops in the works next year, probably like mid Jan instead of start of Jan of that'll end up being 2020. But we'll do another seminar tour. We'll hit yep. all the same places. Awesome. Um, anyone that came to the seminars this year can come if they come again we'll give them a price discount and I'd be curious to see how it's going to be very different than what it was this year right it's con- yeah. six months I mean, a whole ago, year of was, development whole year of development like this has been going for eight months and I looked at the first seminar we ever did the manual for it and I was like this is a joke <laughs> compared to what it is now so I think it'll be interesting um, and then yeah we'll keep it going try and scale up the site keep doing the beams keep getting the word out on those doing beam events um, eventually start getting into footwear so some of these unique uh, footwear brands we're working with, you know, Braxton, uh, Konea Footwear out of Hawaii, yeah. um, uh, Boti Luke's out of the Czech Republic with the B1 boot, all these kind of unique things. I'm going to start to send down packages to you so you'll be able to make some of these things available uh, to the to the people of Australia because... Um, yeah, it needs, it needs to be available. It needs to be more available. Yeah, all we have these, to take down products. barriers to people yeah. being able to get good footwear. So, And even Vivo Vibram, like, I think, well, it's a... You know, we don't want to rush things. We want to make sure we do it right. And, you know, the biggest thing with um, with these online stores is you don't want to scale up so quickly that you can't continue to deliver a good experience. Um, you know, there's always going to be people that aren't happy with the experience. But if you can make that 0.1% of people, which I think is not hard to do, you just got to make the extra effort, then um, that's how you grow a company and, and get people that, are, that believe in what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, and basically tell you that they believe in what you're doing by where they're spending their dollars yeah, right yeah. and if everyone wears shoes so if you can convince them you have a better product that's better for their body uh and you're not making gobs of money in and putting it in your pocket people believe in that message and i think um yeah just the whole elder culture thing and 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 how good you and seb are doing so far and um yeah i'm super pumped for this yeah, uh, this too. division to kind of grow awesome. up because it's uh, so much potential. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'll be. Uh, I'll, 2019. I'll head over to Canada as well. Do, cool. do some stuff with you. Yeah, we'll team up on uh, on some workshops and maybe a, a small seminar tour. Get you guys to experience some brisk Canadian yeah. weather. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, show you some cool Canadian stuff. You know, maybe um, consume yeah, of, some of the new legal maybe, substance and, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, hit up some, some slopes and yeah, maybe go on the canal ice skating. Yeah, it'll be yeah. it'll be good fun. So. Awesome, Kane. 
Cool. Anyway, thanks for listening, folks. Hope that was a good conversation, um, and uh, we'll catch you next time.